are live. Hello to all my guys, gals, and non-binary pals of audio podcast land, and welcome to another episode of Knights of Paint Town, a City of Mist actual play podcast. It has been a little bit, but we are back and stronger than ever. Of course, the lovely voice that you are hearing is your master of ceremonies, Mikey, and I get the amazing privilege to tell this amazing story with some amazing players that you'll meet in a little bit. But of course, you can follow me on my personal social medias at PopCultureGeek. You can also find me and the rest of the Vibe Tribe at D&D Vibe Tribe on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Make sure you check us out and give us a follow to stay up to date on all the podcasts that we got. We got a lot of actual play ones, and then we got a few pop culture ones. So it's a good time, and we got something for everybody. But as always, tonight I am joined by my amazing cast of players for this game. So we're going to go around, do some introductions real quick, and then we're going to jump into our episode proper. So we're going to do we're going to shake things up a little bit. So we're actually going to have Josh go first today. It is I, Josh, aka MG Preacher. You can follow me on TikTok at MG Preacher. As well as Instagram at MG Preacher Mark II. And tonight, I will be playing Friedrich Krupp, sergeant of the San Francisco Pain Television Police Department. And my mythos is Cerberus. Thank you, thank you. All right, next to give their introduction, as well as who they're playing as, is going to be Echo. Hi, everyone. In the fighting game, it is now raining frogs. Hey, everyone, yes, I am Echo. Please listen to the other D&D Vibe Tribe Productions. We all work hard on this. Thank you very much. I will be playing Corey O'Reilly, your favorite old man. And I'm going to have to teach these people how the city works, apparently. That is true. But would you also like to tell the audience who your mythos is? Oh, yes, my mythos stacked up because... Why not be Odin and Zeus combined? The police chief might have a little argument with that since technically he is the mythos of Zeus, which we'll get into a recap of that whole shenanigan. But last but certainly not least joining us tonight is Wes. Hi, I'm Wes. I play Jack MacMacteer, the body slamming construction worker. And uh, his mythos is Sir Nun, who is the great horned one just in case you were wondering. And you can also hear me, the only plugging I'm going to do, as Omenowakid on Call of the Deep. Check that out, and check out all the other D&D Vibe Tribe productions. You'll hear Josh on every single freaking one of them, I do believe. So uh, that's all I got. Oh my goodness, all I love one, yes. these guys. Yes, you're on every single one, but one. We might change yeah. that in the future, but we shall see. And I will appear, I will try to make an appearance in at least every single one of these stop <laughs> until I do. Uh, it's a great time. Unfortunately, we are down a player tonight. Our lovely Rage, who plays the uh, Hell. For the sake of it, we can't say Ghost Rider because we're going to get copyrighted. But we have named it like Hell Rider. He is not with us right now. He may show that up does. later. But... He is not on the internet, but make sure that you uh, leave some reviews letting us know that. Be like, hey, we like all of y'all, so that's the important bit. But uh, I, I, will, I will read all the few, the reviews in, a, in one of these episodes. 
Oh, jeez. It's like the it's Jimmy Kimmel cool. show. It's just like celebrities read mean tweets. Give, give me, give me. I'll all. read it all. Let's see. Let's not, because I don't need trolls into, going into my review feed. But anyways. Ah. In truth, every single review does help us get moved around on the algorithm. So that second you take to throw a review on there or just rate us, just, it's worth everything. <laughs> True. Oh, my goodness. But... With all the introductions out of the way and that housekeeping done, let us begin the episode proper with a bit of a recap. So last time on Knights of Pain Town, you all are unlikely alliance. You guys came face to face with the true culprit of the string of murders. Our jazz bar singer, Martha. As she began to show her true form with her mythos of the Banshee, Officer Dawes and Officer Quinn, at the behest of you guys, started getting all of the patrons out of the washboard, leaving you four and Martha going into a four-on-one brawl. While she attempted to try to use her powers to stop you guys, your teamwork at the end of the day was what was key in order to secure your victory and probably one of the funnest string of combos that I have ever seen in any tabletop RPG. It was amazing. A combo breaker move. Literally a combo breaker. This was a fighting game. It would be like Capcom versus Marvel with the special moves as well as the assist moves. It was a great time. And because of that, you guys ended up being able to secure Martha, knocking her unconscious. She's still alive, but she is unconscious, and you were able to prevent her from whatever it is she was trying to do at the washboard. Upon securing her and taking her back into the police car, you guys were met with the chief, who revealed himself to be the mythos of the father of the Grecian gods, Zeus. So that was a bit of a fun time. where. Escorting you all back to the precinct, you guys were introduced also to the chief's special prison for rifts, which is known as Pandora, which is, of course, the mythos of Pandora's box. So that's that was a fun time. And after a brief conversation with the chiefs, each of you guys went to your separate ways. You guys went home to just sleep and to just take a breather solving your first real big case as a group. So, as night passes into morning, each of you, for the most part, each of you guys got a good enough good rest. And as each of you wake up in the morning, this is the first time within the last couple of days or so where, as of now, things have been calm. As the sun begins to rise over the horizon, each of you respectively from your residences here, the pitter-patter of feet on the sidewalk, the sound of motors beginning to rev and travel across the roads. You, some of you hear the like shingling and shatterings of metallic metal stork fronts being lifted up in order to open the shops for the day. And... Yeah, this is the first time where you've actually had some time to yourself. So this just is a real quick mechanic portion to the listening audience. 
we are in our first episode of Downtime. So if you are not familiar with City of Miss, the game can be divided into cases and downtime. So downtime is a chance for our players to actually do a couple of things. They can spend the downtime exploring their mythos if they wish to tie up any loose ends from the previous case that they worked on. It's also giving them a chance to just explore their side stories and their relationships with people and just give them a chance to explore their characters a little bit before jumping into the next case. So that's what we're going to do. We get to take a sneak peek into the more personal lives of our characters. So prior to recording, I had rolled the dice to determine the order of which we're going to visit these downtime portions. And Corey is going to be the first one up. Don't thank me quite yet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You'll be fine. All righty. So, Corey, the camera kind of pans over to the more, I don't want to, I want to say the more affluent side of Paint Town, which makes sense given the description that we've got of Corey's house before. But who said crowd doesn't pay? So, as the camera kind of zooms into your house, and kind of pushes in through the front door and up the stairs. Corey, you find yourself awakening in your bed, just sitting there for a little bit, just contemplating over the last couple of days what has gone down. And But yeah, so you are currently in your bedroom, so what would you like to do? Like he does every morning, he gets dressed up somewhat nice. Goes downstairs and starts making breakfast for his girls. Cool. I'm always curious, and I never asked this before, but given Corey's uh, previous line of work, I'm always interested. Is he wearing like the typical mobster pajamas, which is like the silk robes and all that good stuff? No, that's the Italian mobsters. Irish mobsters are different. We're the normal people. That's the Italians. We're normal. Doesn't mean I steal some of their suits. Saying that Italians aren't normal. Yeah. <laughs> Let me put it this way. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect that of the DM or the other players. <laughs> yes, yes, no, no, don't worry. Don't worry, family. I'm just giving you a hard time, but no. Uh, okay. <laughs> so you're in your in normal pajamas, whatever normal pajamas are, whether they be clothing or in the buff, as some people like to do. But you know what? We don't shame on this podcast. We do but yeah, so you head downstairs into the kitchen and you begin cooking up breakfast for the girls. What's Corey cooking up for breakfast this morning? Let's see. Last time we made cinnamon French bread, I believe. I'm trying to remember all the way back to like episode one. Who's gonna make omelets this time? I, I'm gonna have to roll, I believe. Am I wrong? I wasn't going to, but now that you mentioned it, <laughs> same thing last time. Curse me. The question is, which one do we? Which <laughs> what am I going to make you roll for? I got kissed the shit. Well, as a power tag, I'm just trying to find mechanically which one that you're going to do. You know what? Just because I think it's going to be hilarious, I'm going to have <laughs> Jesus. I'm going to have you go toe to toe because you're going to overcome this oven and <laughs> this. That opposed roll. Both have a roll. No. <laughs> So, I wish it did. 
The one time I have to turn on the light to read my prop writing. You is blind. No, I was kidding. I want to see if I got anything else that could help me. Nope. I could add secret show tunes, but... What did you end up getting? It can't be that bad. No, I didn't roll yet. I could okay. have added 11. Okay. That's with the plus one, so 10. Alright, so 10 plus one is 11, so yeah, so that's definitely a good success. So... At yeah. least it, it's not the god tier French bread, apparently. It isn't. You know what, Corey? Why don't you give me a description? So give me paint a picture in my mind. How does Corey move about the kitchen in his like Iron Chef-esque kind of making breakfast? Corey first is going to prep the ingredients to make sure he has everything. You gotta be careful. So then he's going to put some rye toast in the oven. Wait, why am I saying that? This tells you how rare they actually cook in person, people. He puts... Why can't they think of the right name? Toaster. <laughs> I can't think of the name Toaster. And I work at a restaurant. It's all good. Keep going. <laughs> He's going to cook himself a Western omelet. Because... It is good. I'm trying to remember. People, this tells you how long we haven't done this for. Because I am forgetting people's names. What name are you trying to remember? I'm trying to remember the girls' names. So, your daughter's name. So, remember, yeah, you have name. your two daughters. The older one, the one with the black hair, her name is Eowyn. She is awakened to the mist. And then you have a slightly younger daughter, green hair, that is Winnie. And she is still a sleeper. And though Aelin and Winnie are swapped. Mm, not according to the notes, and I <laughs> No, Aelin's the older one, because Winnie was smaller. That's what I said. I'm like, Aelin's the older, and then the slightly younger one is Winnie. Yeah, yeah but Winnie was awakened because she had the dream. Then Aelin's like, why won't you tell me shit? We could retcon it later, but... Okay. I think, that, I think it's like that. People who've seen the first episode, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm. <laughs> I have the notes, and I'm looking at the message that we talked about when we created your daughters. But <laughs> oh, really? I could be confusing people. I'm sorry. I am terrible with this stuff. No, that's okay. So we'll go with that. Aowyn is the oldest. Black hair. Witty is the youngest. Green okay. hair. Until we're proven wrong. <laughs> it's all right. All okay. right. So go ahead and keep going. So for. He's making a three-meat type of omelet. He will add some spinach in there, though. And then for Winnie, he makes a... I can't think of the right term. He just makes a sausage and cheese omelet. Alright, so do you put any garnishes on the om said omelet? <laughs> Sadly, I do not know these things, so I cannot say what I put on it. Except for he does salt and pepper them. It, and he butters the toast for them already as well. When in doubt, drown in a ketchup. <laughs> How barbaric. <laughs> yeah. That's breakfast, people. Let, next time, let me get... You're fine. Alrighty. So. As you put the finishing touches on the omelets, your oldest, Eowyn, comes in down and just typical like teenage like hair is a mess still in her pjs 
like half asleep as she just drags herself to the t- countertop. And she's like, morning. Good. And she's like rubbing her eyes and just. I'm surprised you're still here. <laughs> Some days you just have to take off. And she just stares at the omelet and she's wants a good thing too. Takes her fork, begins to eat it. Still like half asleep. She's just smiling slightly. So, as she continues to eat her omelet, Eowyn just remarks, So, did how did things end up with the case or whatever you were working on? The one that you called me to give you information about? No one knew died. <laughs> and she's like halfway through her omelet and she puts her fork down. Oh, I know you said no. And I know that you said when the time is right, do you have any intent on telling Winnie exactly we are? I've tried. Is it a matter of you tried or you're not really telling her the truth? Those are two different things, Dad. I thought exactly what she saw in your vision. She did not hear a single word of it. The mist is both a blessing and a curse. I mean, I guess. As you notice, Eowyn is starting to poke around the omelet, just looking at it deeply. And she's she just does so for a little bit in silence before she looks back at you, Corey, and she says... What if, I mean, nothing too crazy, and but sometimes I wonder why I was given this gift, power, whatever you want to call it. I never asked for it, and I don't know if I want it. I'm just born put into this. I was one who had to accept it, so I am not one beak on this. If you really have questions about being born into it, you should really talk to John about that. He was the one born with it, though. He did leave the city, so I don't know if he still has the powers or what. Did Grandpa have powers? Yes. Though I found out later. Though I... I do... Some of these powers can't corrupt people. I don't know if your grandfather was or if he was something else, but I he is someone which I don't want you two to meet if he ever does reappear. I'm just curious. You never talk about him. Why is that? People might call me evil person or a bad man but I can say one thing about my father if people consider me a bad man they consider him a devil as his arm just subconsciously goes to a scar which is hidden from most people under the suit usually so Echo I want you to I want you to just follow me on this one okay so as you are holding on unintentionally, as you clutch 
where your scar is, you get pulled into kind of a flashback of sorts. And this particular flashback sees a younger Corey kind of just standing in front of, I'll say like his apartment, like his apartment door. And when I say younger, I'm thinking like 17, 18 years old. (laughs) So either senior in high school or just graduated and find that younger Corey is on the outside of the apartment door, which to lead back into your apartment where you're currently residing with your father, which is Winnie and Eowyn's grandfather. And as you're on the outside, there is an uneasiness that kind of is coursing through young Corey's veins and just the cavity of his chest. There's a heaviness that begins to weigh him down as you're holding the key to the apartment, just contemplating whether or not you are either going to go in or if you're going to once again, kind of sleep on the streets again tonight. <laughs> is this before or this is before he got the bat? I'm assuming, correct? That is correct. Stay out there for about a good 10 minutes and then he goes in. So as you unlock the door and as you Corey, you're used to the scene that usually appears in front of you when you enter your apartment. For the most part, it's not a lot, but it's quaint. All the essentials are there. Sofas, a small television, kitchen, all that stuff. There's a small little hallway to the right as you enter in that leads to your room. And then across the hall is your father's room. But... As you walk in, you see the familiar figure of your father just on the couch with the TV on, watching some sort of crime show. As you take a look on the coffee table in front of him, and that he has his cleaning kit, his gloves, he's cleaning what you're used to of a pistol, kind of cleaning the gun and all that kind of stuff. And as you try, so let me ask this, given with this, when Corey usually enters the house and sees that his dad is quote unquote doing work, how does Corey normally respond? Does he try to sneak into his room quietly without his dad hearing, or does he announce his return to him? This is before Corey got into the Irish mob, before the bat and everything. He, this is not Corey with the will to fight the world. So the so Corey's just gonna try sneak past. So I want you to roll me a sneak around, please. Now remember, it's just gonna be. It's just because it's just a straight roll. It's just a straight two d six because this is Corey without his powers. This is young Corey before the power. Oh. Dice, why? But actually, I like the dice roll because drama, but I still hate the roll. It's a six. Oh, buddy. Alrighty. 
So, Corey, as you try to sneak into your room without getting your father's attention, you get about a fourth of the way down the hall. But as you take another step onto the wooden panels beneath your feet, you always forget about that one portion of the floor that squeaks whenever somebody steps on it. So as your foot makes contact with the board... It just lets out a very audible e, and as you hear that sound, your body begins to be filled with the overwhelming sensation of nerves and anxiety as from behind you, coming from the sofa, it's just like, what did I tell? What did I tell you, Corey, about not denouncing yourself when you come in, lad? You should... I shouldn't do it. Then why are you still not doing that, lad? Not breaking eye contact with cleaning the gun and everything. Because you're at work. And last time I interrupted you worked, you hurt me. So, at this point, your father puts the gun on the coffee table and stands up and begins walking towards your direction. And... I do want to give the audience a chance. Things are going to get a little crazy here. So please, if you are not keen to bodily injury or physical abuse, please fast forward a little bit. So this is your trigger warning now. So without Uh, warning for a beginning of episode. Sorry, we did not expect this. But (laughs) this is what happens when we have an ongoing story. Please enjoy. So... Your father walks out, and in a very calm manner, he just walks towards you. You're just standing still, and just out of his pockets, puts on his gloves, his nice leather gloves. And as soon as he puts on his gloves, you can he just begins to, he gives you a strong right hook across the, 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 your jaw, and kind of just... Poof, which kind of knocks you off your feet and knocks you on the ground a little bit. So as you're collecting yourself on the ground, your father walks up to you. He kneels down and squats down to meet you at your eye level and just tells you, I want to tell you again, lad, about talking back to me. When you walk in this household, whether I'm working or not, you announce yourself. And if you can't follow those rules, then by all means, I'm going to have to teach you some respect in this household. Now, won't I? And he grabs your jaw with his thumb and index finger and kind of getting your chin and pinching the face a little bit to bring it closer. I'm going to... I'm sorry if you don't like this, Mikey, but... Even though it's just the gloves, Corey feels it feels that those two fingers much sharper than they're supposed to be in that situation. Correct? Y- yes, sir. Good. And kind of like still grabbing onto your chin pushes your chin back, which causes your head to recoil a little bit, and walks back to the coffee table, continuing to do what he's doing. You pick yourself up and you just go into your room, you close the door and you make your way to your bed. Would 
What's Corey's emotional state? Would he just sit there numb or would he cry now that he's in his room? Oh, Corey's crying, but it stops very quickly knowing his father. It's, you can let some tears out, but he quickly stops just to be numb. As he does look at a drawer. Now I'm getting to sensitive subjects. I'm sorry, people. As he quickly looks away from it what's in there, which I'm going to have to go into this because we're in Corey's mind. There is a blade in there, which Corey knows is an option, if need be. There, He knows he can't take his father just with how unnatural he is. That's where his mind is. That's the way out, if need be, but stops himself and he just looks around the room. So as Corey, you sit there on the bed and you just you begin to work on any homework that you had done. You just try to find a way to find some inner peace in this garden of madness, so to speak. And then we cut back to present day, Corey, as Eowyn just looks at you. Dad, are you all right? As she sees you drift off a little bit. Your grandfather's just a very sensitive subject. I guess so. I'm sorry I asked. I I didn't know it was that sensitive of a subject for you. I should tell you more about your grandfather in case he comes back. It's just, I don't like going much into my past. Filled with pain. Okay. Like in a typical teenage thing, when things get awkward, she just continues to eat her omelet, not knowing what to do or say next. And at this point, you both hear coming from upstairs, you hear the small pitter patter of your youngest daughter, Winnie, as she makes her way as energetic as possibly down the stairs and just hops up onto the countertop. Oh boy, an omelet! And she just looks at you, too. Everything okay? Oh. Yeah, you never talk about Grandpa a lot, but... And she's trying to find the words to say next, but then she's ooh, omelet, and typical 10-year-old just just starts shoveling it in. So, we're going to cut from that lovely scene, and we're going to head on over... <laughs> Pain gonna... and Trouble makes a podcast! Oh my goodness. We're going to cut over to Mac. <laughs> So, Mr. Mac, we find you in your apartment. You've been up for a little bit. Uh, it's still morning. You find yourself just eating a bowl of cereal at this point. Right. When, and as you're just eating, your phone goes off a little bit, and you received a text message. He reads it. Okay. The text message is from your lovely girlfriend, Jean. And she just... Sends a quick text. It's like, morning cutie, with the winky face emoji. Don't forget to come meet me at 11 for our... And she puts in quotation marks, our date. Definitely needed it. Because, you know, Max known for a few things. Good memory, not one of them. Says, I'm off today. I'm off today. I'll see you at 11. Remind me at 10.30, 10.45, and 10.50 just to make sure I'm there. Ah... And uh, since he's not going to work, he's there is somewhere he needs to go 
which isn't really on the way, but like it's what, like eight, eight o'clock in the morning or so, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's got to go, he's going to go visit the one of the cemeteries in town. Got to pay respects to somebody. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you get dressed. And Mac, you head down your apartment stairs and exit the building. And you walk briefly to the bus stop, which is conveniently located a l- close to Mrs. Yu's flower shop. As you walk past, you just see inside the storefront Mrs. Yu at the counter putting together some floral arrangements. And she sees you through the window and kind of just gives you like that grandmotherly good morning wave. He pops in real quick because Paris Specs she's going to drop a couple, if she has them, a couple black roses down for reasons that are his own. And of course, since she's been doing this for a long time, Mrs. Yu always makes sure to get to know the people who live in the neighborhood. And so without even uttering a word, before you get a chance, she just has a couple of black roses like wrapped up for you. And just without even saying anything gives you that non-verbal communication of I know it's tough, hun, but here you go. Is it, is Miss You awakened? Oh, is she a rift? Gee. Well, you would know because you lived in the neighborhood. And I'll say that she not taught you, but she gave you the basic info once you awakened to yours. So, yeah, you know that she's also a rift, too. Okay, I was going to say, this isn't like the anniversary or something. This is a random just felt like he needed to do a thing so she knew it she's like the shadow she knows so he walks down he takes the rose pays for it walks down to the bus stop and makes her road trip to the next nearest bus stop to this cool all righty so as you are on this bus and you're making your way to your destination you have time i'm gonna assume that this is not new for Mac to do this. So this is something he does on occasion. Yeah, no, he does. He does it on occasion. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure. Alrighty. So as the bus kind of makes its way to its destination, you get off. And as you exit the bus and as it pulls away, the view from behind the bus as it departs to continue on its route across the street from where you were dropped off is the the cemetery, one of the bigger ones here in Paint Town. So this is the Ion this is the Ionic Cemetery. So where most as you make your way to the entrance, you can already see just the rows and rows of tombstones. And even you see a couple of mausoleums spread out through all of it. So, yeah. So as you make your way through, you know, what? I'm just going to let you narrate. He walks through. This is a path he's taken a few times, a few meaning a lot. And he walks along, he makes a few bends, a few turns, knows this spot like the back of his hand. So he walks up and finds this little tombstone. It's not a tombstone that's raised up. It's one of those ones that sit level on the ground. So there's a little bit of grass on it. He scrapes it off, takes out the dead flowers from in the little base that's attached and puts the new ones in. He looks down and it's Marie McTeer, which is his older sister who was mysteriously, and I believe we 
vaguely touched on it, but I don't, we haven't gone too far into it. Died more or less mysteriously. He, like most people will stand there when they talk to, or they pay respects. He sits on the ground, crosses his legs, leans down as it starts talking to her. It's, how are you doing there, sis? Been a long, I can't say a long time. It's been a few months since I came to say hi to you. But uh, there's been some more developments in my life, and I want to pass them on to you. I know you're watching. I know you're always paying attention to what I do. But just want to let you know, just passing it along. I know I've told you about Jean. I know I've told you about her. I know I've come here and told you about her. I haven't got your approval. If you could pass along some sort of sign, butterfly or two or something, anything you can, just let me know. It's all right. Got that going on. Completely transformed into a giant horned monster man. That happened. Don't know if you're, you saw that ever coming in the future, but it happened. I made some friends, actual friends, not the kind that are only there until times get a little bit tough and then they say, fuck you, and leave you in the dust. No hesitation, no questions asked. And it wasn't talking about, but you can't talk back and it drives me fucking crazy. He goes, yeah, I met this guy. He's a mobster. I've met him a few times, but now I actually got to know him. He's all right. He's okay. He's an old man, though. I got to respect him due to reasons. Met this German dude, fucking sexy ass man. I'll tell you right now, sis, if you were alive, I'd try to hook your ass up with him. I swear on all that's holy I would. But uh, yeah, no, it's all right. Oh, side note, other than me turning into a monster and meeting some friends. I don't know if today's the day, but he pulls out from his pocket. There is a little ring box thing. He goes, ah, Gene and I are getting serious. I'm going to, I'm going to ask her to marry you. Marry me, not yeah, but marry me. So that's going to be a thing today. But it's not easy. And I don't, I still want to know what the fuck happened to you. And it drives me crazy every single fucking day. Every single day. That whoever the hell, <clears throat> excuse me, whoever fucking did this to you, I understand that there's a whole, we don't leave bodies behind policy that we have with what we do. But I will tell you fucking now that individual man woman they it whatever they'll find him but they'll find him in pieces and they'll find him it's not going to be for it's not going to be fucking pretty i don't care what police officer stands me way i'll take them the fuck out too that person's going the fuck down and i want to know that's code for that's sorry that's code for you mikey i apologize <laughs> not giving you work or nothing but uh, don't worry i already have an idea and i right. love it <laughs> all right good no, but they're um, limb from limb. I know you're a fighter too. That's the part that pissed me the fuck off. You didn't go down easy. Tears are like starting to well up because he's getting beyond emotional at this point. He goes, the sheer fact that they took you from me. Big sis, the only person that really kept a fucking eye out for me. Took you away. We couldn't even have an open motherfucking casket. I swear on all holy. There won't even be need for a casket. Maybe a couple Ziploc fucking bags with the hey, how he was a person or this happened. But I'll tell you, gets up, wipes his angrily wipes tears off his eyes and goes. But while I'm at it, you think it's a good idea for me to propose to Jean today? Just throwing it out there. I know I go from highs and lows and it's the way I do things, but I got to leave her on a positive. I can't be showing up to Jean. Looks at his phone and three missed text messages, like text messages, the one missed call from Gene going, don't forget 11 o'clock. Don't forget 11 o'clock. Don't forget 11 o'clock. In 23 minutes, mass out the trip in his head. 
which I'll still be late for even if I leave right fucking now. But yeah, is it okay if I propose to her? You think that's a good idea? Send a butterfly or two. I know what you do. And then he walks back toward the bus stop. Oh my goodness. Alrighty. So. Oh my goodness. So yeah, so. As you leave the cemetery, you catch the bus to head over to where Gene is at. And as you are. As you are making your way out of the bus stop, you're meeting her at one of the local parks to just hang out with her for the day. As you get off of the bus and you make your way to the park entrance, which is adorned with very beautiful like marigolds and things of that nature, you see a pair of blue and pink butterflies flying around, dancing quote-unquote, dancing with each other as they kind of land on the marigolds and just are chilling there. And that as quickly as they landed, they both begin to fly off where they both pass you by as they continue their flight pattern. And you can just feel a warm kind of breeze also blow a little bit as the butterflies pass each you giving you that warmth and love that most people experience when it comes to having a relationship with say like a sibling or even a motherly figure and kind of just fills your soul with a overwhelming sense of peace and warmth well i guess i take that as a science don't know how much more into this we're going to go but end of the moral of the story he will be proposing by the end of the day so yeah you make your way to the park where you enjoy uh some time with gene and we will uh catch up with you in a little bit meanwhile the camera is going to cut back over funny enough back at the cemetery so we rewind a little bit as we see mac leaving the cemetery the camera kind of stays panned onto the cemetery but then it continues to go further in where we find our one mr friedrich also in the cemetery at a different tombstone so i'm just gonna let you roll with this one josh first of course cerberus is right there with me because this morning after i did my routine at home went for a jog because you know gotta stay in shape but uh, Simply because I don't know of any other forest in this city. I'm going to say, like, shortly after Mac left, Friedrich showed up as well and bought two Edelweiss flowers. And so, like you stated, as soon as Mac left, I showed up as well. And I'm standing at two different tombstones. And one says, Hans Krupp, and the other one says Maria Krupp. This is uh, Friedrich's mother and father. And at the base of the tombstones, I lie down both the Edelweiss flowers, and I'm, I'm just like where where Mac was like kneeling at the tombstone. I'm actually sitting down at the tombstones, kind of like sitting Indian style, like I would listening to my mom and dad speak when I was a kid. And of course, Cerberus is sitting right there. And I'm just sitting there. It's, I just wanted to to drop by 
know I usually do this on Sundays, but I don't know. It felt like I had uh, this was something I had to do today. I want you to know that everything's going fine. Things have been rather hectic at work, but I look over at my father's tombstone. Nothing that I can't handle, though. Even though I thought you might have been a little rough with me, father, but I know you was just raising me up to be strong, and that is that's come a long way. And I feel like I've learned a lot from both of you. I've met some really interesting people working as a police officer, but this new group that I'm working with talk about a weird crew, but I respect them. I respect them a lot. They've been helping me out with quite a few things. I hope I get to work with them a lot more. I don't know if they see it the same way, but I'm starting to see them as family, like with the Doss and them. I don't know. I just had to come here and sit and talk with you a while. But, and he's starting to get a little choked up, so he just... Anyways, I wanted to come by and make sure everything here was taken care of and let you know what was going on in my world. Anyways, me and Cerberus here, and I just slapped Cerberus' side a couple of times. Anyways, we gotta finish our runs and get back home, so I'll, uh, I'll be back again as soon as I can. Goodbye, and I'll, I promise I'll, I'll try to stay safe. And just try to be the best person that I can, like you wanted me to. And with that, I stand up, and I say, All right, Cerberus, come on, let's go. And we start jogging on out of the, out of the cemetery. So... You go about your jog, and you are towards the end of it when your phone begins to ring. Your cell phone. Okay, I'm looking at my cell phone. Who's uh, who's calling? As you take the cell phone out of your pocket, and you take a look to see who is calling you. Under, I'm just going to say, because I think it's hilarious, you see it is Officer Dawes calling you. But like when you get a phone call and you have a picture saved for their contact... It's a picture of you, Doss, and Quinn, like, at a karaoke bar somewhere, just going nuts and, like, being silly about it. And on it, it just says, Hold Officer Doss. And, like, you realize that this was not the contact picture that you had, that she once again got into your phone and changed it. I'm going to have to put a password on my phone. Anyways, and I just touch one of the earbuds that I've got. Hello? Good. You're learning a lot to answer quicker. That's a good thing. But uh, uh, yeah, I hope you're enjoying your quote-unquote day off. Yeah, yeah, it's going. Me and Cerberus is uh, just getting back from a job. Cool, cool. Hey, listen, I don't want to be that girl, but... Uh, good Lord, what have you done? Oh no, I haven't done anything yet. But uh, no, I was calling you to let you know that Chief wanted, if possible, Chief wanted you to come stop by real quick. He he wanted to talk to you to tie up any l- kind of other things in regards to the case. Okay, okay, I'll I'll message him in just a minute. Let him know I'm on my way. Okay, me and Quinn will be here. So if just let us know when you get to the precinct, and then we'll both of us will join you. Because apparently the chief wants to talk to all three of us. I don't know what, but I guess we'll find out together. We'll find out when I get to.
All right, tell me about uh, Mikey. Uh, about how far is the precinct away? About how many minutes away is it? Since technically you're on foot, you would. Your apartment is nearby, so there's a couple options. On foot, it would be like a good 15-20 minute walk. But if you wanted to get there faster, you can quickly take a bus, which would like take it down to five minutes. Can I say I have something in my garage that'll get me down there quicker? Sure. Yeah. Technically, it is your day off. So you don't have your police vehicle, but you do have your personal one. So, yeah, you make your way back to your apartment. I'm very curious. As the garage opens, what do we see inside of it? A approximately 1950s or 1940s, 1950s Indian chieftain. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Please tell me there's a sidecar for Cerberus. <laughs> oh, I've got him trained to where he will sit onto the back seat with his paws draped over my shoulder. Oh, my gosh. OK, that's even better. And he's got his own little skull cap, too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> we love to see it. Okay, so yeah, so... Even though it's like a late 40s, early 50s model, this thing starts right up and just starts humming. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I love it. So yeah, so you get in... I guess I could say you get out of your jogging clothes and put on something a little more comfortable. So you get your helmet. Yeah. I was going to say most everybody sees me. I'm always wearing my police uniform. But what I'm putting on now is a heavy set of thick black boots, dark ish blue jeans. I've got a brown short sleeve shirt and I'm putting on a dark brown jacket that has like the old imperial German eagle on the on the back of it cool like when you think of the old the old prussian eagle yeah that's what's on the back of this leather jacket okay Alrighty. so yeah so you change into that and then you get your helmet on and then you make sure that cerberus is secured with his and then you hop on he hops on and then you exit the garage and kind of start speeding your way to the precinct and so yeah i get there and i guess quinn and Doss are waiting for me at the door yes so as you pull up to the precinct and you and cerberus hop off the bike and just like clockwork Doss and quinn are waiting there for you at the front sitting on the steps and they both just look at you it's been a while since we've seen the bike out and about. Yeah, I felt today she should get out and stretch her legs some. Might have to get a sidecar for Cerberus now. I don't know. He's a little big for that small back seat. <laughs> Cerberus just kind of looked at me and just tilts my head. What do you mean I'm getting too big? Adorable. But yeah, so Doss continues to talk. Yeah, the chief wants to see all three of us. I don't know what for, but I'm pretty sure it's just to see any final questions you might have about the case now that it's all said and done. But yeah, I'm relieved that all three of us are going in together. Don't get me wrong. I love the chief to death, but his imposing figure is still just intimidating after all this time. And then to come to find out that as she looks over, Quinn's kind of not is not really paying attention. He's like playing on his phone a little bit, texting and doing all kinds of other stuff as she kind of officer Dawes leans in a little closer in a more lowered tone. 
especially since he is a rift himself. I, again, whispering to hers, I figured something was up because, and like I said, Friedrich is like 6'1", 6'2". He's a good-sized guy. I'm not so- Yeah, now it's just even more important to not get on his bad side. Whose bad side do we not get on again? It's uh, everybody. Oh, out of nowhere. <laughs> oh no, Ramirez. Ramirez, oh, like oh, officer dies. <laughs> officer dies because jumps back. Ah, and she's like, "Damn it, Ramirez! Like, Don't what did I tell you about butting into people's conversations?" I do it all the time. Can't keep me secret. I was going to say, do you honestly expect him to listen? And with that, I just roughly slap his shoulders. Like, how are you doing? I'm doing well. As he pulls up a, a one-gallon water bottle, I have to start drinking this now. Doctor Sam, not can- I, because of all the shenanigans that goes on at this precinct. I immediately grab that water bottle, open it up, and smell it to make sure I don't smell tequila or anything. I am an I am a law-abiding citizen. Ramirez, are yeah, you well, telling so the truth? Phone, according to the newspaper, <laughs> it's pure water. Okay, just making sure. If, if anything. Maybe I should get. Maybe I should reinforce this metal and get put coffee in it. That might be an idea. So it's safe to assume that Ramirez is on duty right now. Like he's like at work. It's not his day off as well. Ramirez got is in full attire. Awesome. So I love it. If a civilian was walking by, they'd just seen this six foot two German just punch a police officer right in the shoulder and get away with it scot free. <laughs> How do I get away that way? <laughs> My gosh, you guys. Well, if you need me, I must get back to research because I'm not allowed to be back on the streets because of letting everyone move out of the way for you guys. I immediately just look at Dust. She just shakes her and head. It's like, what? I didn't do nothing. <laughs> but I look at Ramirez. So since I'm like, hardly ever off duty and I open up one side of my jacket and there's my big old Sig Sauer underneath my arm do I have to check this in or what? Because I still have my badge and everything I'm just off duty I don't know, I'm always on duty I never get a break The messenger never gets a break (laughs) And again, I just kind of slap his shoulder as I start walking past him Oh, you're a big help Yes See you li- later. See you later, Ramirez. Ooh, is Quinn still just sitting there on the steps on his phone? He finishes what he's doing on his phone and kind of just puts it in his pocket. But he hasn't turned to your to you guys yet. Okay, so before he starts to get up, I'm going to say Ramirez. There is. Not Ramirez, but Quinn. So, knowing that full well that, that Quinn hates snakes, He wasn't really paying attention before, but at the mention of snakes, like, you have never seen a 5'8", like, 30-something-year-old man scream like a girl, scream like a girl, and then he hops onto, like, the stair ledge on the steps leading into the precinct. He's like, where? He turns around. As Quinn's looking around and realizes that there is none, he just looks at you, Friedrich, and is like, Not funny, prep. I thought it was hysterical, and I ended up getting two perfects, one stone here. Oh, that's priceless. You're such an asshole. 
Uh, I actually like snakes. If there was one, I was gonna, I was gonna keep it for my own. Maybe even make it a map. It away from me. No promises. As I'm laughing, I'm just starting to walk towards the door. Ramirez is going back to work now. Daz is getting a little bit of a chuckle, and Quinn comes down from the little like stair ledge and then dr- follows you in embarrassed mad but then he cracks a smile as well as the three of you head into the precinct so as you make your way inside we are going to in no time you got you make your way you see the officers working you find the chief's office once again inside his office it is all marble desk and dressed to the nines of as best as modern decor can get to basically mirror the Greek like architecture and design and all that as Dawes closes the door and the three of you find your seats and the chief behind his desk. I'm just imagining like in a very like comical fashion, you just see, I'm thinking of Mr. Incredible from the Incredibles. It's like, he's this mass of a man and he's like typing on a tiny laptop. So, With his sheer size, it makes like a full-size laptop look like a six-inch screen. Like he's trying to type on a Game Boy or something. Exactly. So as the jury of you make your seats, he just closes the laptop. Ah, good. Then I'm glad. I'm sorry to call you into your on your day off, Officer Krep. But just to have a couple of questions, and I wanted to make sure there are no loose ends for the case that you solved. So I appreciate you coming in. That's no trouble at all, Chief. Right, that Despite, way. They gave me a good excuse to bring my, my bike out of the garage, so. So what you're riding the bike today. Nice. No, I'm, no, I'm still not going to sell it to you. Hey, I had to try, but uh, I'm not giving up on that one quite yet. <laughs> But yes, let us not waste time. Officer Quinn and Dawes were nice enough to finish the report, and I looked over it, and everything is pretty much all in all done, per se. But I wanted to make sure, and I wanted to ask you, because I asked them, and I'm going to ask you the same thing before I make this report and file it as official and publish it into the records is there anything else that maybe you heard or found while you were investigating even if it doesn't seem related i want to make sure that everything is processed and put into the report there wasn't much there were some old newspaper clippings uh... so there were newspaper clippings uh, anything else like any kind of addresses, a phone number, something. I just want to make sure all the T's and I's are crossed. Again, I pull out that that business card from my little notebook, and I set it down on the desk, and I slide it over to him. And it was, I tell him, while I was in there, I found this card. I don't know if it's of uh, any relations to the case, but some sort of, uh, I think it was, I'll look at the card again real quick psychiatric therapist business but it's for something called mendings of broken and it has a dr perrin's name on it so i don't know if that's of any interest but you said if there was anything to file it in interesting 
as the chief is examining the card. So, as you mentioned, as you slide it over, the card is a typical kind of like business card. On it, it is outlined in what seems to be a matte gold finish kind of borders around the business card. It's printed on plain white stock, like white card stock on business card. And as you mentioned, it has the name Dr. Selma Pedden with a phone number, as well as the name of the organization, Mending the Broken, as well as a little symbol with a triangle and a eyeball smack dab in the center of it. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> the Illuminati is a different thing, but you're not far off base. So the chief kind of looks at the card <laughs> and just... is confirmed. <laughs> so the chief kind of looks at the card and just, is, just looks at it. Huh. That's quite interesting. It seems that the mending the broken is becoming a lot popular these days. Now, chief, what... What is this? What is Mending the Broken? In short, Mending the Broken is a mental health organization that specializes... How do I put this? It just showed up. It just showed up as a program one day and it's taken off. It's a team of different psychiatrists and psychologists ranging from all to severe psychiatry to even regular family and children therapists. All kinds of stuff. And on top of that, too, they also have their own they have their own office where all this is housed. So basically, any mental health service that one may need, anybody can go. And they're a nonprofit. And they're becoming so really the popular. It's a nonprofit organization that handles everything from simple I don't feel good things to things like schizophrenia all of that and it's all they mostly deal in the psychiatry and psychological aspects so not oh my stomach hurts i need to go visit the doctor these are the doctors of the mind from simple that's not what i mean the psychological i'm just not feeling i'm just not feeling myself anymore yes (laughs) you'll get what i mean now yes they have from simple services as standard therapy to more extreme measures of group therapy, group home, all that kind of stuff. And it's a nonprofit, so anybody who qualifies can use those services. And it's been take they've been in the news a lot lately of everything that they're doing. So it's quite interesting that and you said you found this where? Uh Martha's uh dressing room uh, we was just uh, talking with her with the uh, in our investigation and i was just looking around and amongst a bunch of old newspapers uh, we came across that mm, that is quite interesting and so chief kind of takes the business card and tucks it into a little into a little evidence baggie and then puts it in the folder i will make sure to make this put this addendum in the report and on top of that, I will personally give them a call to see if I can find any connection between them and Miss Ellis. But uh, I think that's pretty much it, unless you have anything else that you need to discuss with me. I mm, can't think of anything else right off the top of my head, but uh, 
If I end up do remembering something, believe me, Chief, I'll let you know. Uh, most certainly. If you ever have a question, remember, you have, you can call the precinct, but uh, you also have my direct cell phone, Friedrich, so if you need anything, questions or anything at all, as he gives you a reassuring look, anything, just let me know. No matter how, how minor anything might be, I'll let you know. Okay. So the chief kind of tucks everything into the folder. Thank you for coming in, Officer Krupp. You can go ahead and you are dismissed. Go enjoy the rest of your day off. Oh, by the way, don't, I believe, actually, I'll see you in a couple of hours for Mrs. Yu's potluck, if I remember correctly. I just forgot. I better get back to the house. I've actually got to, <laughs> believe it or not, I've actually got a, a few things to bring for the, the potluck myself. Splendid. And Officer Dawson Quinn is oh yeah, that reminds me, I need to go pick up my stuff real quick as soon as we're off shift. A voice carries through the ethos, and it's just Corey O'Reilly going, I thought I came up with the idea of the block. Damn, this is you getting all the credits. I feel like it's a tag team thing. <laughs> they both put it on. They're both the old people, so yeah, I agree. Yeah. So with that, Friedrich, you, Quinn, and Dawes exit the chief's office. And then you and Cerberus head back on the bike to finish whatever you need for the dish. So we're going to cut back to the park real quick, where we find where we find Mac making his way. As you're checking your phone, you are double checking, triple checking, quadruple checking to make sure that you are headed in the right direction. As you walk the, through the park on the main path, to where you see your lovely girlfriend, Jean, just sitting on a bench that's looking the small lake that is in the park. And she's just staring out into the water as you make your way towards her. Uh, he checks and realizes that his phone says 1108. Like, excuse me, but not quite late. I think it's like a 10 minute policy with her. I don't know about the late policy. But he walks up behind her and just, without tapping her on the shoulder, he has been punched far too many times to know better than to do that. He goes, see anything you like out there, me love? And so without breaking any eye contact with in front of her, still looking straight ahead, she just says, nothing, nothing worth of late as you, but now that has changed. As she kind of smiles. He looks behind her, or behind him and goes, I know you're talking about me, but let's let's dial it back a little bit. I'm like shaky and nervous and not sure what exactly he knows what he's going to do now. He's just like trying to make sure there's not a whole lot of people around. How many people are <clears throat> excuse me around? Well, with him near vicinity, there's not really anybody, but there's people in the little like <laughs> comical like the goose paddle boats that you see like sometimes in parks like far off into the lake you see a couple of families enjoying some picnics in the distance on the hills but near the vicinity where you and gene are there's not really anybody there all right he's he's so i know we've been dating a while i don't know exactly how long it's the start date's always up in the air to me you say one thing i think another thing but it's been a while so 
gets all nervous and he starts fumbling around the pocket. I want to roll something on it, but I really don't. I'm not rolling for like the actual proposal. I'm like, I'm trying to see if there's anything I'd roll that he doesn't fumble the uh, for smoothness. The smoothness. Yeah. I don't want him to be like, so Daria. If you got nothing going on in the future to do the thing. I don't want that. You know what? I'm just I'm gonna have you roll convince. Oh, <laughs> so cause by ne- definition, convince is either talking, threatening, or seducing someone into doing like okay. doing it. All right. I'm gonna throw charming and diffuse the tension on there and likable. We're just throwing them all on there. To succeed. I do a loved one. I'll throw that on there from okay. So that's my pluses, but just for funsies. We have fear of disappointment, very appropriate for this one, and bad time joking, which I really hope I get it close so I have to throw in a dad joke halfway through the proposal. Yes. All right. Let's see, what we get. 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 All right. I had to do the math. Seven. Oh my god! Damn, that is a soft success. So I'll say that the proposal will pretty much go without a hitch, but you can't. You got to add the dad joke in. He's, he gets down on one knee in front of her. As I try to think of a dad joke appropriate for a proposal on the fly. He gets down, he looks up there and goes, I know we've been together a while, fumbling for the ring. He finally finds it. He goes, it would do me the utmost honor if I could call you, call you, call me anytime. Call me. He starts breaking into a terrible song which is the best thing I can come up with for a bad time, Joe, for a proposal. Goes, I forget all that. ADHD is a terrible bitch. But would you do me the honor of a possibly mayhaps, maybe if you want to, because it was a soft success. I'm going to just improvise this way. Part of it, if you got nothing going on for the rest of your life, mayhaps, um, maybe marrying me. <laughs> it was fucking bad. It wasn't terrible. No, it wasn't terrible, but it was soft success. Good. You know, it wasn't. You're on one. I'm assuming you're on one knee. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she seeing all this and you sweating just a tiny bit and fumbling over your words a little bit. She just she walks closer to you and just kneels down both knees sitting on her legs a little bit and just grabs your hand and just smiles and just says, for you, I would be the happiest woman on the planet if to be called your wife so yes and she just takes you by the cheeks and she just slowly brings her face close to yours and just gives you a some soft little kiss and just rests her forehead on your forehead so he's like in his head he goes fuck that actually worked so he's like i judge oh yeah okay all right and then also then running through his head is him all hulked out and her battered and bruised and he goes fuck again so he's he's like, this is awesome we're going to get we're going to eventually get married i also have a vision of me above her and her being bruised so that's going to weigh on me for a while but well so we're engaged but if you don't mind me asking i do have a potluck to get ready for do you mind coming back to the apartment with me getting ready for a potluck oh, of course i told you i would help you with that but I'm desperately going to need it because I have no idea what to make. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that bring coming in with bangers and mash isn't going to exactly go over the best. Don't worry, I'll help you. And before you both get up, she just pulls you in a little bit closer 
and she just tells you, it's like, from now on, whatever comes our way, whatever forces may try to divide us, no matter what monster you might become when you protect me or your friends, I'll be here to bring you back and to make sure that you never truly lose yourself as she what like hugs you and just gives you another kiss on the forehead and then says, now let's go get ready for this potluck as you both make your way back to the apartment. And not going to lie, the uh, bringing him back part had him, has him sitting there going, does she know something? I don't know. Who's to say? <laughs> Who's to say? Alrighty. You're the MC and you rule this world. <laughs> I'll send you a message afterwards, so we'll talk I, I, about it. I figured out what the next background episode is. Don't worry, we'll get there. Alrighty, plan a <laughs> wedding. Alrighty, and up all at the same time. We're gonna get to the potluck right now, so let's jump oh into that. Holy crap! The wedding was gonna come later, but we got a potluck to go into, so let's just jump into that. 